Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. You've got to go back and check out the last three or four episodes. I've been so excited about the guests that we have had on the show of late. The last episode with Phil Jones and the one before that with Joe Payton. If you are interested in entrepreneurship, if you want to think bigger, if you want to have a little kick in the pants, you got to go back and listen to those shows. We are having a, a growth in listenership, which makes me really, really excited when I see those download numbers going up. I appreciate it when people jump over to iTunes and leave a review saying, I listened to the show and here's why. It makes my whole day brighter. So jump over to iTunes and leave a a nice positive review about why you listen to cool things entrepreneurs do. Follow us on the Facebook page or Twitter at Cool Podcast on Twitter. And then if you want to get involved with the group coaching program, The Potential Project, this has been something that sort of started on a whim and is starting to, to get some roots and grow. And that is, there's a lot of people out there who realize that there is a gap between the potential that they have and the results that they're achieving in their career, whether it's you work for somebody else or you want to have your own business. And we've put together a little mastermind group and you can find out that information by going to TomSinger.com, going to the about button. And there's something you can click on that says group coaching program. I would love to have you join that. And if there's something inside of you that says, I should look into that. Somebody emailed me the other day and said, when you talk about it on the show, I always say, I should, I should. And now finally I am. And so it might take you a few months, but we'd love to have you, you know, pull the trigger and join us in the potential project. So today we have an interview with somebody who I respect a lot and on so many different reasons why. One of the reasons is he spent 30 years as a first responder. And let's face it, our firemen and our policemen, et cetera, those are the real heroes. We, we worship celebrity in our culture, but in reality, it's the people who are helping others that really are out there making a difference. So I admire him for that. I admire him because he now teaches people how to be effective and how to have situational awareness and make decisions. And he teaches other firemen and other first responders, and he also teaches businesses on how to make those types of decisions when you're when you're facing decisions under stress. And then also, just because he's an all-around nice guy, he's one of these people we crossed paths a couple years ago, and you can tell if you spend 10 minutes with him that Rich Gassaway has a really big heart and he cares. And those are the type of people I love to invite onto this podcast. So Rich, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Tom, thanks. Thanks for having me. I've, I've listened to your show for, for a while and, and we've passed some emails and I've kind of hinted around that I want to be a guest. So when I, when I finally got your invitation to be a guest, I'm like, Whoa, all right, I get to be on cool things. <laughs> and I thought that makes me a cool person now, but I, you know, I'll, I'm going to put it in the victory column. Excellent. Excellent. So Rich, I kind of talked a little bit about what you do, but I don't love these like bios that people send. I like people to just, you know, from, from themselves, tell people who, who you are and what you do in business. Sure. So, um, as, as you mentioned, I spent 30 years as a first responder. And then uh, five, about five years before I retired, I went back to school and I got a PhD doing research in cognitive neuroscience on situational awareness and high-risk decision-making. And uh, in that process of combining my first responder experience with the neuroscience background, I uncovered some things that uh, has been helpful to individuals and teams who work in high risk, high consequence, time compressed environments with changing conditions. So for those listeners out there who say, you know, does this apply to me? 
you if you if you meet those criteria, then chances are there is uh, some opportunity there to learn how to develop situation awareness and use it as the foundation for for decision making. So in summary, that's that's the crux of it. So let's talk about that. If somebody's a small business person or an entrepreneur or they're, or they're starting they're starting a business, I think they're under stress, you know, all the time. I think that they they constantly are having to make decisions. So how does this apply to that small business person? How does what you teach really matter to entrepreneurs? Yeah. So um what we would what we would focus on is uh <clears throat> teaching people about what situational awareness is and then how to develop it. And to give you the kind of like the Reader's Digest version, the development of situational awareness is like a three-step continuum. I, I actually use an example of building a house where you start with a foundation, then you have walls, then you have a roof. And the foundation for situational awareness is perception. And that's the process by which you use your senses to gather information about what's going on around, on around you. It's the, it's the paying attention part, you know, and it's probably the easiest part of situational awareness as long as you're conscious, alert, oriented, looking around, paying attention to the things that are happening around you. You pretty much got that part covered. But then the second part is understanding, which is the making sense out of the things that you're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling. And that gets a little more complex because we can see things we don't understand and we can hear things we don't understand. And we can even say we understand when we don't understand. So the, the, where it starts to go from uh, you know, a really clean process of just keeping your head on a swivel and looking around, it starts to get, uh, get, get off track as you try to get the understanding. And then probably where it would most benefit – um, people in in high risk or high stress jobs is is being able to do the third part. So the the, the foundation perception, the the walls of the house, understanding the roof of the house is prediction, and prediction is being able to get out ahead of the current situation and being able to anticipate outcomes before they happen. And how far out in, the, in front of the situation you get is is a factor of how fast conditions are changing or how how complex the the environment is that you're working in. Uh, When you say, you know, looking into the future, looking in the future might be five minutes, it might be one hour, it might be a day, a month, or it might be into the next year and being able to apply a process to be able to anticipate outcomes so that you can um, better ensure that you're going to achieve that goal. And if you think about it as first responders, how important it is to be able to arrive um, at an emergency. Let's just say, you know, we'll compare a house on fire to a business that has a fire burning. So just make the analogy there. You have to be able to size it up, figure out what the problem is, develop an action plan, implement that action plan, and do things to ensure that that action plan is going to lead you to a successful outcome. So that's, uh, that's kind of how it would apply to anybody who's, who's working with me. So after, you know, 30 years working as a first responder, what led you to decide that you would go back and get a PhD and then later start your own business? I mean, a lot of people, when they get to retirement, just want to retire. What, what led you to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I started in my career pretty early. So I knew I was going to finish reasonably early. And, and you know, firefighting is kind of a young person's game. And I, I don't mean young, like, you know, 20 year old, but I mean, you know, by the time you get mid fifties, you start to start to wear a little bit. And I was like five years from retirement sitting in my office contemplating the afterlife. What am I going to do when I'm not going to do this anymore? And I'm not the, I'm not the sit on my rocking chair kind of person. So I thought I'd get a PhD actually so that I could teach at a college. And that never happened. It, it, uh, I discovered some things in, in my research that just kind of spawned 
the creation of this business that I do now. But if the, if you talk about situation where I was anticipating the future, if I would have been accurate anticipating my future, I'd be in a college classroom teaching. I don't I don't know something to college students, uh, but that didn't happen because these findings kind of breathed life into a into a, a business design that, that was totally unexpected for me. But uh, it was all about, you know, having something to do in retirement and I'm doing something I absolutely love, but it was not anything I ever expected. But isn't that what entrepreneurs have to do is they have to be ready to pivot? I mean, you went to get the PhD so you could be a professor, but along the way, you you found something else and, and, you know, you could have just continued on that path to go teach. But because you were aware, you saw that you pivoted and created this very successful business. Well, the... um, the demand for people with an interest in this topic was astounding for me. I mean, I, I had no idea what a void there is in the um, area of knowledge of situational awareness and, and uh, uh, high-stress decision-making and how those two dovetail and, and how few people truly know the processes of how to marry up those two to, to be better decision makers, you know, when it really counts, I, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, the day-to-day and day-out office decisions, but really those, those really high stress, high potential consequence decisions that a, that a, um, a business would face, you know, and just think about you know, how much potential consequence there is for first responders and their decision making, you know, people could die, they could die, um, properties could be significant property losses and, and how critical it is to be able to do those rapid size ups and decision making and, and, and be accurate about it. So now that you've been doing this for several years, what is it that you love about this lifestyle of working for yourself and, and creating your own path? <laughs> well, the thing I, the thing I probably love most, Tom, is that, you know, I spent 30 years um, as a as a public employee. And uh, no matter how hard I worked, that that piece of paper in my pigeonhole at the end of two weeks was always the same numbers written on that piece of paper in my pigeonhole. And, and what I know now about being an entrepreneur, especially as, as hard as I'm willing to work is the harder you work, the more you're rewarded with, um, with success, with more business, with more feeling of accomplishment. It's just, it's just amazing. I loved what I did when I was um, in, in the fire business, but um, when I retired, it was really scary because I, I really didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to be independent, how to, how to make all the decisions that I had to make in running a business. And that's been, uh, that's been kind of an up and down learning process. I've been at it now full time, nine years. So I think I've got it worked out now, but early on, I'm like, ah, oh, geez, I, I don't know how to do a lot of what I need to know how to do. So I had to go to school really quick and learn from, from, from smart people and smart speakers about how, how they do what they do. And I just, I just listened, you know, I asked, I asked good questions and I listened and I took lots of notes and by golly, just about everything they told me to try, it worked. It was crazy. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. I had another fire uh, firefighter on the podcast about a month ago or maybe two or three weeks ago. And he's still an active firefighter. He's, he's a, still a young guy. He's probably under 40 years old. But, you know, his thing was he became an entrepreneur on the side because he realized that he would be off for three days and wife and kids would be at work and school. And so he started uh, cleaning out uh, vents for dryers and his company's called Fireman Dryer Man. And it started with just him. And now he has five part-time employees who are all firemen and he's looking to take 
take it out, you know, beyond just his local region. And, you know, it was amazing because, you know, here's a guy, he said he never really thought, oh, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. But now he's got a business that's growing that when he reaches that time, when he's ready to retire, he's already going to have all that in place. So, you know, it's interesting that you can, you can do something no matter what type of a background you come out. You think, oh, a civil servant. Well, you know, that's a box. It's this big and it's blue. And yet people like him and people like you are the example that anybody can go start their own thing and, and find their way in the world. You just got to study, learn, have a product that people want. And then you have to take, hey, you have to take action. So you talked about what you love, but come on, Rich, there's got to be days when you're thinking, you know, I could have just gone and taught at a college and it would be so much easier than having to deal with all this stuff. Do you ever have those days? Oh yeah. <laughs> anybody, anybody who says they don't have those days is, is uh, not being honest in their, in their assessment. There are, there are plenty of days, especially, uh, you know, the, the travel can be very wearing on, uh, on speakers and consultants. And, uh, um, that's just something that we have to learn for, you know, flight delays and, and travel issues and traffic jams and, and bumping up against deadlines. And, and, uh, all of that is, is very, um, very stressful, very, very taxing. The amount of time away from home is, um, is, um, very stressful to be away from the family as much as I, as I am in, in what I do. I'm very, I'm pleased that I have so many opportunities, but sometimes I think I'm kind of crazy with how often um, I'm away and my inability to say no, because I'm very passionate about helping people who have uh, a need for this knowledge. And and I find myself um, overextending myself. And, uh, and that's, there's really nothing fun about that um, at all. You know, just, just a, it's 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 my Achilles heel of what I need to try to figure out how to be better at is either saying no or finding a way to help somebody to a solution that doesn't involve me being you know right in front of them. <laughs> well, that's I mean that is the forever problem with those of us who live on the road. You know, you mentioned dealing with airline delays. I was just talking to my younger daughter who's going to be joining us on a family vacation this summer, but she's going to be coming from a vacation with her boyfriend's family and she's trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B and it's not an easy adventure. So it's either one plane change for sure could be two and could involve a red eye overnight or several hours in an airport and you know she's running all the scenarios by me. And I'm, you know, and she has to pay for it. So she's trying to save money. And I'm like telling her one stop is better than two and taking the red eye is better than trying to stay up all night in an airport. And, oh, yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, I just trust me. This is my life. I, I, I'm going to tell you, spend a little more money and you will be happy in the end. And, and uh, I said, and even if you make that choice, that particular choice could come back and bite you in the butt and that flight get, gets canceled and none of it will work. Yeah, but you know, on the, on the on the upside, Tom, she's young, she's resilient, she doesn't have a lot of uh, uh, scars from past travel woes, so you know she could probably work her way through it. But when you're when you're traveling as much as you are, doing the work that you do, man, you know that that shortest, quickest, easiest route um, and a comfortable seat on a reliable airline at, at at a at a hotel that gives predictable service all becomes really important. <laughs> So, Rich, what advice do you have for somebody who maybe they're a police officer or a fireman or, or a civil servant or, or maybe they have any type of job and they're thinking, I'd like to go out and start my own thing. This sounds, this sounds like what I'm drawn to do. What advice would you give that person? 
Yeah. So the first piece of advice is, is uh, don't quit your day job right away until you know that what you have is a product or a service that is, is marketable. And, and then to become a student of, of the people who have trudged down that road and have found their success in doing what it is that you want to do. It's amazing to me how many um, uh, people that we're connected with through the National Speakers Association that are so willing to be free with uh, their knowledge and their advice and, and suggestions about how to traverse this, um, this sometimes very difficult to figure out world that we, that we operate in. So for those um, who are thinking about it, one, um, don't get, let yourself get discouraged by what you don't know. Because it's so easy to say, well, I, I don't know how to do it and, and to give up on it or to be gripped by fear. That was one that got me early on is just this perpetual fear of, oh, I'll be a failure. I can't do it. I won't be able to provide for my family. I mean, every possible potential no I could think of, I, you know, would, would make me lay awake at night. And finally, I just... Uh, um, I, you know, I read, a, I read a book called uh, Start by John Acuff and it's like, and the, and the subtitle is Punch Fear in the Face, you know, and I'm like, I read that book and I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to punch fear in the face. And, and now I'm, I'm relatively fearless. And it's, it's amazing that I could spend 30 years as a first responder with a job that requires so much courage. But then when it was come over to apply it to, to being a business person, uh, all, that, all that courage just ran away. You know, I'd rather run in a burning building than, than call somebody on the phone and ask them if they would do business with me because they might say no. And, oh, my God, what would happen then? <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, you brought up that we know each other through the National Speakers Association. One of the things that sort of fascinates me is how many times – if people who listen to the show know that one of the pieces of advice I give to anybody is get involved with your trade association. I don't care if it's – if you have a specialty toy store. Go and join Astra, the Specialty Toy Store Association. I don't care if you're a locksmith, join the National Locksmiths Association. But I tell people this all the time, and even when I work with people sort of one-on-one or they're part of the the coaching group, they're like, well, I don't really know how to do that. I don't want to be around my competitors. I don't think those people will really help me. And I'm like, you can make excuses all day long, but if you don't get around people who are doing what you want to be doing, and there's no better way to get around those people than to go to your your, uh, National Trade Association – yeah. If you don't do that, you're going to miss out. You're going to have to reinvent the wheel every single time. So how important do you think it is for a small business person who's trying to build something to network and get around other people? Oh, it's, it's, it's priceless. It's absolutely. Because I, you know, I, I kind of trudged down this road without really any guidance from anybody from the, the, from NSA, from, from the friendships that I've made to the, to the formal resources that they have. I stumbled on the NSA. Tom, I was doing a Google search for something and up, up a website for the National Speaker Association. I clicked on it. I'm like, Oh my goodness, there's an association for speakers. I didn't even know. Where have they existed. been? Where have they been all my life? Yeah, and I and I joined like right there, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, they have a convention! I'm gonna go, and it was like three weeks away, and I signed up, and I went to Philadelphia, and I'm sitting in a session, and sitting right behind me in Philadelphia are three people talking about Minnesota, and I turned around, and I said, I'm from Minnesota. Are you from Minnesota? I'm like, yeah, we're from the Minnesota, and and, and then they said to me, 
you're not a member of the Minnesota chapter. Why aren't you a member of the Minnesota chapter? And I went, oh, my God, there are state chapters, too. I had no idea. <laughs> so I immediately went back, joined the state chapter. Now I'm on the board for the state chapter. And it's just it has been such um, so encouraging to go to those events. I don't look at the people at, at, at NSA, either state or national events as competitors. I look at them as as resources uh, that that can be helpful for me, and, and and oh my gosh, are they helpful? I mean, there's there's somebody out there who's been down the road that anyone needs to go down. Get connected with them. Don't look at them. If you're worried about them being a competitor, then you're looking at it wrong because nobody can do what you do as good as you do it. And if you have that confidence about how much quality you bring to the table you don't ever have to worry about someone being a competitor of yours. I don't think about that at all. No, I, I agree. In fact, in fact, I put a ton of speakers, even ones who speak in my bailiwick, you know, who I would, people would say I compete with. I put them on the show all the time because I don't think anybody competes with what I do. So I agree with you. I think it's great advice. Get around people who are doing what you want to do. You'll learn more than you'll lose. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just cannot... Uh, emphasize that enough. You know, when I was in, when I was a public servant, I was in uh, trade associations for the, for that industry. And I'm still in some of those associations just to maintain professional connections. But I mean, it was, it was such a relief to find NSA and then the, and then the local chapter. I remember going to the first convention. I'm like, Oh my gosh, all these people do what I do. How cool is that? You know, I'm thinking I'm alone out there in the world. I'm not alone, but you know, that it was, I had no idea that the, that the pool of potential resources was, was that vast. And then some of the things that people speak on, I, I'm just amazed by it. I mean, I, I, I don't know why I should be, but I, I, I'll talk to them and I'll say, you know, what, what's your area of expertise? And they'll say, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, you can, you can earn a living speaking on that. And they, they do, and they earn good living speaking on it. It's just, as long as you have a, for anyone listening, as long as you have a, a product or a service that helps somebody advance their passion or solve a pain, you can have a business. Awesome. Hey, Rich, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this show. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment and training and give you guidance so that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Rich Gassaway. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. So Rich, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest, most exciting thing you're doing with your business right now? I got a couple of things, Tom, you know, um, for the longest time I wanted to, is I'm trying to figure out how to maybe be on the road a little bit less. Uh, I've been trying to figure out how to do that. And one of the things that I did inspired by folks from national speaker association is I started an online Academy and, uh, the online Academy just launched in January. I have about 700 students enrolled in it. And, uh, it's just a way for people to learn about, my topic without actually having me be physically present. It's, it's video, it's audio, it's some reading, it's some testing, you know, and it's, it's, it's really, I think the, the way to have my reach expanded beyond me physically being 
present. I'm really excited about, I got um, a, dig- a digital marketing company that I'm working with to try to um, uh, grow the marketing presence of that. And I'm really excited about what that um, academy um, holds holds in store for me. Um, second thing I got that's really exciting is uh, is in October. I'm doing my my programs. I call tours. So like when I go somewhere, I'll do four, five, six six programs in a region, and I call it the uh, New England tour or the West Coast tour. In October, I'm doing what I call the World tour, and I'm actually doing um, uh, eleven programs in Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, and Belgium. All in 28 days, uh, I'm going to be uh, flying 77 hours in 28 days and doing those 11 programs. So uh, if you see me sometime in November, I'm going to look a little blurry-eyed. <laughs> I, but uh, I'm really excited for the, for the opportunity to be able to, to do that. I'm not so excited about 77 hours in an airplane, airplanes, but it's going to be pretty fun to do that. <laughs> That's awesome, though. <laughs> hey, the other thing, the, the last couple of things I love to ask everyone who comes on the show, the first one of those two is, who else do you admire? What other entrepreneur do you see where you think they're doing something cool? Because my, my belief is, is that entrepreneurs are great observers. So they're always watching, looking for ideas, looking for who they can emulate, looking for who they admire. So who's someone else where you say, that person, they're crushing it? Yeah. Um, we recently uh, here at the, at the uh, Minnesota chapter of National Speaker Association brought in Jason Hewlett. And uh, Jason is a um, certified speaking professional and he's in the Speaker Hall of Fame. And uh, our which, chapter, which I always like, in. I always like to point out to everybody, there's actually a Speaker Hall of Fame. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm going to be there someday I, if, if I live long enough. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, Jason came in and he, t- he talked to our group about um, reinventing himself and his message and um, how to be a risk taker in this business and how he redefined himself and kind of stopped going down the road that he was going down because he was heading in a, in a pathway that he didn't want to go toward and how focused he is on his family and that priority to his family. And I so admire that because that's not always what I have been with, uh, with my four kids. And uh, it was just very inspiring to hear his message and, and to, to glean his passion for, for, for helping people and, and how he has gone from being one type of speaker to now focusing on keynote with the message call he calls the promise. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I've seen him several times at NSA events. And, uh, this is my first time to see him outside of a NSA national convention venue. And, um, he was, he was very, very inspiring and, uh, and a very smart businessman. That's somebody I suggest you have on the show. Well, you know, I was, I was just thinking, have I ever had Jason on? Cause he and I are actually pretty good friends. And I, I realized, I don't think I've ever had him on the show. What's interesting. You talk mm-hmm. about transformation. He was an entertainer. I mean, he, he did corporate events, but he was a, he was an entertainer more than what you would consider like a, a content motivational speaker. And I saw him perform for the first time three or four years ago. And I literally told my wife, I have never seen a better entertainer 
in any venue, be it a singer, a comedian, an impressionist, whatever. And he did a lot of impressions and a lot of comedy and a lot of uh, a sort of story that tied it all together. I've never seen anybody with more talent than Jason Hewlett. And then last year, he sort of threw that all. I mean, I don't think he's thrown it out, but he sort of pushed that over to the left side and has gone really full forward with this whole thing on The Promise and, the, and this whole content-rich speaking career. And that's a risky thing for someone to do when you're making the type of money that he was making to say, I'm going to pivot right here in mid stream of success. And so I admire that. So when you bring him up, all of a sudden I, I wrote down notes here, have Jason Hewlett on cool things. Yeah. So. Yeah. He, I, I'm sure that his message will be inspiring to um, current and future potential entrepreneurs. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, you know, they, they're too scared to, to make that, that turn to the other side. And, and he did it, you know, at a time when a lot of people would have said, no, cash in, cash in, keep doing what you're doing. Don't take your eye off the ball. And he's really right? done well with what he's doing. So that's a, that's a great one. I, and I always love it when people pull my friends out as the people who they're going to say. So that's always fun too. Hey, the it's, last, it's, oh, go ahead. it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like, if you could imagine what Jason did, it'd be kind of like McDonald's saying, okay, we're going to stop making hamburgers now. And we're going to go into pizza. Right. You exactly. Know? Well, it's, ma- it's still food. Yeah. Maybe they will tomorrow. So you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But and you can just imagine how big a leap that is. I mean, it's still food. You're still helping people that are hungry, get, get, you know, sustenance, but you, you know, just the fundamentally change the, the design of what you do is, is really what he did. It's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. Very courageous. Yes, absolutely. So the last question is, I think that great entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I think that they want to find a way to give back. So I love to ask people, what is it that you do to have some sort of an impact on the greater good? Yeah. Uh, I, I hear you ask this question all the time of people and, and, and I just, I love some of the responses that people do and how passionate they are about giving back. Um, so what, what I have focused on is uh, essentially th- three areas of, of giving and yet at the same time trying to role model the importance of giving to my, to my kids. So um, what we do is every Christmas, we um, go to a grocery store in the town that I grew up in back in West Virginia, and we buy people's groceries. I love this story. You, you told me this before. You told me this before, and I absolutely love this because it is such just a, a personal thing. And what a great example for your kids. Go ahead and tell everybody what you do. Yeah. So what I do is uh, my kids have to put in some of their money. And of course, you know, they're, they're all relatively young and, 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 you know, they don't have a lot of means. So when, when I, when I stuff into their pockets, the kind of money they're going to give away, um, it catches, it catches their attention real quick. And I say, you pick out who you want to buy groceries for. I, I suggest you pick moms with little kids and senior citizens and people that are wearing hats that say, you know, a veteran, veteran of the Vietnam war or, you know, just who, whoever you want to pick. I don't tell them who to pick. They pick who they want to pick and they just go up and, and Tom, you know, when we started this, my youngest was about mm, nine years old and he's 17. Now imagine a nine-year-old walking up to you and saying, ma'am, I'd like to buy your groceries today. <laughs> Some of the looks that my kids got, you know, cause we've been doing this for so long. And you know, my, my oldest is 25. Now my twins are 22 and my, and my youngest is 17. 
but we've been doing it so long, it'd be like a, you know, a little nine-year-old, 12-year-old coming up and saying, I want to buy your groceries. And they'd be like, what's the catch? What are you going to wear? Is there a hidden camera here, kid? What's going on? And, and, you know, and then they, they point to me over there and say, no, that, that's why I just sit over there on a bench and I just watch. You know, I, I, don't, I don't go up and I don't buy people's groceries. It's all about my kids doing it. And, uh, and then they say, no, that's our dad over there. And they're like, are you part of a church group or something? They're like, no. And they say, well, why are you doing this? And they say, and, and, and my kids standard responses that we're as the family, we're doing random acts of kindness. And all that we ask is that you do something kind for somebody that you don't know. And that's all we ask in return. And uh, some people are like, no, 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 like you can't buy my groceries. And some people, oh, Tom, some of the responses, like this one lady says, oh my gosh, do you mind if I go get a gallon of milk too? You know? <laughs> yeah. So actually what I did is my son said, she's, she wants to go get a gallon of milk. I told one of my other kids, go get her a gallon of milk. I said, now get her two gallons of milk. <laughs> and and uh, just some of the stories that people tell and the hugs and the crying and oh my gosh, Tom, it is, it is priceless. So then I thought, how do I take this to another level? So I, I got my kids to Thanksgiving and I said, I want each of you to find five, five ways to give money away between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then when we get together at Christmas, I want you to each chronicle, summarize who you chose, why you chose, and, and you know, what impact you think that it would have made in, in, that, that was priceless. I mean, you get together for Christmas and you think it's all about, you know, being with family and taking care of your family and giving gifts to your family and to have your family talk about the random gifts they gave to complete strangers for really almost sometimes no reason at all. They just, you know, just chose almost randomly and, and, to, and to share that. And what I'm trying to do is build in my kids the traditions of how important it is to be a giver. You know, somebody said to me once of, of those who, for those who have been given much, much is to be expected. And I probably botched that quote. No, you're but, about right. That's um, it. Yeah. But I want them to learn um, the importance of always being willing, freely willing to give some of your good fortune to other people. And if I can, if I can leave them with that, but I think I've done okay. Oh, that's great. That is that is really great. I really I, I I love that story, and I think that you know, in so many ways, if we can just inspire that next generation, even if it's only our own kids, to go out and, and do something good, the world's going to be a better place. So I really appreciate that you shared that story. I think that that story is going to touch a lot of people. So that's that's awesome. Hey, if somebody's listening to this show and they're like, I got to know more about this Rich Gasaway guy, <laughs> how do they find you? Yeah. Um, so probably the easiest way to find me is, is my uh, website that's uh, on the topic of situation awareness. And it's, it's SA for situation awareness, essaymatters.com. And uh, for the record, I was SA matter before a lot of other things mattered. You know what I mean? Um, so I was, I was like the first one on the matter um, spectrum there. Um, but essaymatters.com. And then if they want to you know see some of the things that I, write about and such and it's 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 there and then if they want to contact me there's a contact me tab at the top and that'll just send me an email and that's that's really the easiest way my phone number's on there and things like that too if they're interested 
Awesome. Well, Rich, again, thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing your story. I think that you're going to inspire people. I think that this is going to be one of those episodes where when I run into people in airports or at the mall or wherever random places I go and they go, I listen to your show. I love that guy who was the fireman, uh, you know, who's the situational, situational awareness guy. I, I think this is going to be one of the shows people say, because I think you gave a lot of really good advice and I think you touched everybody's heart with that final story there. So thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you, Tom, for having me. It was it was quite an honor. Well, now you're one of the cool kids. You've been on Cool Things Entrepreneurs. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Hey, and thank you to everybody for tuning in. We say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Thanks for being here. Uh, get in touch with me. Let me know what you think about this episode or any other. Uh, download the episodes. Review the episodes. Join the, join the uh, potential project. I'd love to get more involved with the people who listen to this show. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Rich. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.